Hello and welcome to Adventures in Venueland, an EAMC podcast. This is your all-access pass to go backstage and behind the scenes with some of the brightest minds that cross the scope of the live entertainment industry. I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Hooper. We'll introduce you to some of our favorite people as we dive deep into the world of live touring shows and the venues that host them. Our adventure today takes us to Austin, Texas, where uh, as you're listening to this, of course, we're recording this a little bit before, but as you're listening to this, it is, I don't know, opening day, if you will. It is the first live event, the, or the first public event, I should say, at the brand new Moody Center, uh, Austin, Texas. And here to talk to us all about his adventures through quite a career, which right now has him as the SVP uh, with the uh, Oakview Group. Uh, and of course, heading things up there at the Moody Center. Lots of good stuff to talk about today. Jeff Nickler, how you doing? Dave, Paul, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to, to talk to you guys today and tell you a little bit about this project. It's uh, exciting times in Austin, Texas. Now, as, as we're talking to you today, you know, if people are listening to the audio only version, they don't see that, but you're wearing a hard hat, right? This is, this is how uh, close to the wire we are and getting this whole thing together. Yeah, I'll tell you, I, I forgot how hard it was to open a building. This will be, you know, I've, I've done a few of these, but um, still in a hard hat uh, and safety glasses and a vest. Uh, we're about two weeks out today from our first public event, just waiting on our certificate of occupancy so uh, we can open the doors to the public. But we, we still have a lot to do. Some finishing touches, uh, some signage, digital signage, and, and a few more uh, finishes in the suites. But things are looking really great. Hopefully, by the time everybody is hearing this, we're, we're open. and. Uh, We'll have our first show under the belt. Yeah, John Mayer, right? And then and then a big grand opening celebration uh, at the end of the month with George Strait, uh, Willie Nelson. Uh, looks like quite a quite a way to kick things off. Yeah, I'll tell you. I mean, our official grand opening is a uh, celebration will happen the weekend of April 29th and 30th. Two sold out shows with George Strait, Willie Nelson and Randy Rogers wow. band. I don't think it gets any more Texas than that. Right. Uh, <laughs> Willie will be celebrating his 89th birthday on our on our wow. first night, and that oh really will gosh. be our that will be our marquee kind of kickoff moment. But prior to the grand opening weekend, we do have a few other events, ticketed events that will help us get warmed up. We actually start on April 19th with Earth, Wind, and Fire doing a private event, followed by two nights of John Mayer, Bon Jovi, and then Justin Bieber on the 27th, and then we, then we roll into that true grand opening party and celebration weekend on April 29th. I think one of the funny things that the public never sees is, you know, they're arriving at these venues and I think you hit on it a lot. They're arriving at these venues and they are like, oh my gosh, the doors are open, but they might not know all the hard work that goes into landing that plane right before the opening. And I think all of us on this call have, of course, either worked or known so many people that have opened venues and it is kind of like a scramble, you know, you're kind of like, oh, shoot, we need to put this signage up or, you know, sometimes it's literally printing things on the printer and taping them up in a hallway because you're like, oh, crap, you know, and I think <laughs> what is what is both exciting, but also challenging about that from your perspective, not only with Moody, but your previous experiences. Well, you're, you're totally right. I mean, our goal when we open a building and this is our third Oakview Group building opening is basically to the public. Hopefully they don't notice, you know, those of us. Right. 
they walk into the building, they see a finished product, they feel really great and excited to be in this brand new building. Behind the scenes now can sometimes be a different story as, as you continue to have boxes and, and you know, all those kind of day two finishes that need to happen. You know, the goal is safely and efficiently open the building, right? But we, we'll still be working on some finishing touches here probably well into the summer, kind of the details, the uh, sure. so, some of the backstage areas, some of the, 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 the private areas the public doesn't see. You know, opening a building, as I mentioned, I forgot how hard it was. It's uh, you, you are kind of building the plane as you fly it. And it's, um, it, it's a pretty incredible experience because, you know, yes, there are some, some to-do lists and some, some grids from other buildings that have opened, but each building is so unique, right? So right, there's no true right. playbook. So inventing the processes and procedures, everything that the fan takes for granted from, from ticketing to security to restroom flow to just all, all the details, the paint color in the restrooms, you know, these small details that you, you as a fan walk in and just see, but yeah. years of planning have gone into it. So groundbreaking was December of 2019. Correct. Uh, and, and, and so tell us all about, you know, place in the market, because you're, you're there at the uh, uh, on the campus of University of Texas, correct? Correct. You know, this building is really unique. We are building what will ultimately be what we believe to be one of the top five music venues in the country. And the fact that it ac actually is sitting on a college campus is unbelievably unique. This building is being 100% privately financed by Oakview Group and our partners, Live Nation, C3, and Matthew McConaughey, but will ultimately sit on land and be owned by the University of Texas. So we are going to build this building and then hand it over to the University of Texas. Now, what's important to remember is, yes, this will be a, this will be a wonderful place for University of Texas to play basketball, but our intention is to, to drive this as a music venue, right? The city of Austin is in desperate need of a, of a new world-class arena. Um, the Irwin Center has been here for 40 plus years, still very functional and has provided decades of memories for Austinites, but a world-class city needs a world-class venue. And that's what Moody Center will ultimately do. You know, it's, it's, it, the true goal is for this to be one of the top music venues in the country, period. I think it, it is interesting. I feel like I remember even when you were announcing at the very beginning of it happening, that was a focus from the get-go is this priority is on music. Of course, there's basketball and it's going to be a great place for University of Texas, but I love the idea of kind of not having music be the afterthought and more on the forefront of, you know, we want this to be a premier music venue and a great basketball place, but you know, you don't have to choose one or the other. We can be exceptional on both fronts. Yeah. I mean, our, our motto is music is an anchor tenant, right? This building, sure. It will be host to the university of Texas men's and women's basketball programs, but in too many pro sports venues around the country, the NBA team or the NHL team takes priority and music, quite frankly, and concerts are an afterthought, but not the case with this venue from the very design and then to the way we're operating it. It's a very dynamic building. Um, one of the coolest things about this building is its versatility. For basketball, for college basketball, we are going to create a very rowdy home court environment for University of Texas. We will have a capacity of about 10,000 people. We'll put in these risers that will bring the action and the fans right down to the court. And we have this series of mesh acoustical panels that with the push of a button, open and close around the upper bowl. So it takes this cavernous building and creates this one-of-a-kind, very deliberate 10,000-seat college basketball palace. 
Then fast forward to that to, to the concerts, you know, we push a button, these mesh acoustical panels like garage doors rise up to the ceiling, revealing another 5,000 plus seats. Our capacity goes to over 15,000. We remove all the retractables. They all get pushed away. We have the largest, arguably the largest concert floor in the country. It's on pace with the forum in LA. So you have this huge floor for the fans. Uh, and then you have this 15,000 plus elevated concert capacity. So it's two very different views from basketball to concerts. You've got some really cool premium spaces too. So I, the, the one you kind of touched on, I want to know more about is these, these Matthew McConaughey inspired, what are they, the porch suites? I want to make sure I'm saying that right. Yeah, I'll tell you, well, you know, Matthew McConaughey is an equity partner in this project. He's officially our minister of culture or MOC. as, as we <laughs> oh, right. And, you know, he's not just a silent partner. He is actively involved in the decisions we make. And it was truly actively involved from the beginning in the design process. It was such a cool experience to work with him over the past couple of years, especially when it comes to our premium areas. So he put his own twist on every single club and lounge and on, on the premium level with the suites and what these porch suite concepts. You know, Matthew had been to a bunch of arenas in the country. And what he never liked about a traditional suite was it felt it felt closed off. It felt like, you know, you had the, the seats in the bowl and then you were kind of in this private area in the back and it felt stuffy and claustrophobic and closed off and not really social. So what we sure. did here is we took half our suites, we pushed them out further into the bowl and exposed them to the bowl. We removed a lot of the walls and we created what we call our porch suites, which create this very social atmosphere in the front of these suites. We pushed the bar all the way to the front into the, into the bowl. So you can be in your suite at the bar in the bowl and you can talk, share stories with your neighbors, high five your neighbors at a basketball game. And then if you want, like in your house, you could leave your front porch, you know, go back into your private area in the back and have some privacy. But Matthew really won this front porch experience, which is so important to him and so authentic to Austin. You know, that was a, a huge kind of design factor that he, he weighed in on. He also personally uh, helped pick finishes out for each of our VIP clubs. Um, wow. You know, as, as we approach this building, you'll hear me say this again and again, we wanted everything to be authentic to Austin, right? Authentic to Austin in every single way. This is a unique market uh, and a very proud, quirky, weird market, if we're being honest. And we wanted yeah, that yeah. reflected in everything we do. And, and Matthew understood that. So from the decor of the clubs to the the cool art, he, he has been kind of hands-on in every way. And it really shows. I love that he can supply this perspective that is outside of the industry too. I think it's, it's easy right. for yes. not even necessarily people working at the building, but even like architects sometimes if they're in that world and that's kind of all they know, it might be a little harder for them to think outside the box and think of this kind of front porch style thing because you're just sort of looking at other, you know, arenas and comparing or, okay, how do we tweak this one little thing? So I'm sure that was Nice to have some fresh eyes that are sort of outside of the scope of live events, maybe traditionally, that can kind of say, you know, why haven't any, why hasn't any venue done this before? And it's like, oh, that's a good question. You're, you're totally right. I mean, we were sitting in a boardroom at Gensler, which is our architect company at the time. Tim Lewicki was in the room and Matthew brought up this idea, you know, and Tim, who's opened up dozens of buildings around the world, right. kind of looks around the room. We all look at each other and we're like, yeah, yeah, that, that, that makes sense, Matthew. You're, you're absolutely right. Because it was that fresh set of eyes, that perspective as a fan. You know, sometimes we, we get so down these rabbit holes in the business operations and the traditional ways of doing things. His perspective really 
can be felt here uh, from a fan facing fan friendly experience. Jeff, when you, you know, when you look at your timeline from groundbreaking in 2019 to actually, you know, your first public event in April of, of 2022, it's a good time to be designing and, and building a building, right? <laughs> because uh, as we're getting back into it, but was that always the timeline or did, did the pandemic kind of shift things a little bit? You know, it was always a timeline. The timeline, in fact, you know, we're, we're opening on time, on budget is what we like to say. The timeline was always what it, what it is. Um, Oakview Group, though, you know, in hindsight, you know, obviously we just opened up UBS Arena, Long Island, Climate Pledge, and, and also Savannah. I think we look like geniuses right now because I'll tell you, we, we did all this construction when the industry was essentially shut down, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and the timing miraculously with the evolving pandemic has allowed us to open up these buildings at, at a very busy, robust time in the live entertainment industry, right? So we look like geniuses, but no, it, it wasn't ever uh, designed this way. This was always a timeline. And they were always aggressive timelines, all these projects too, you know? But uh, COVID really, you know, personally for me, it, it was such a blessing, if we're being honest. Granted, we, we all in our own ways dealt with COVID and our careers and a lot of our friends and colleagues were either laid off or furloughed. You know, it was a tough time for the industry, but, but to be in a project where you're designing and doing all the behind the scenes things, to be able to move to Austin uh, when the world was like shut down, to get to know the community, to get to really focus on this building. And at the same time, go home every night and not have to go to shows and go home and spend time with my right. family. It was, it was quite frankly a blessing in disguise uh, doing this during COVID. And now we are hopeful, obviously we're not out of the woods yet with this pandemic and we have a lot still to deal with, but we're, we're gonna live with this pandemic, right? We're gonna live with this. We're not gonna shut down again. So I'm hopeful that we're opening up at a really great time. And the live music calendar certainly reflects that. Yeah, you have quite a, quite a lineup to kick things off there uh, and, and keep you rocking through the rest of the year. So, you know, we, you, Jeff, you've mentioned Oakview Group several times, but you know, there are some places in the country where that's not a really, you know, a common, you know, thing where people know exactly what it is. So tell us about Oakview Group, how you got involved with it. And, and I know you're a, you're a big believer in, in their, their culture as well. So, so talk to us a little bit about that. Well, yeah, well, Oakview Group, for those who don't know, uh, was a, is for many cases still a, an entrepreneurial startup company. You know, we, we were founded only in 2015. So we're still a very young company. Uh, and, you know, industry titans Tim Lewicki and Irving Azoff founded this company, invested their own personal money into starting this company. And since then, we uh, received uh, equity investment from Silver Lake, who owns a good deal of our company. And this company has grown from two employees in 2015 to over 20,000 employees today, very quickly. Um, yeah. We recently acquired Spectra, which has been rebranded as OVG Hospitality and OVG 360. Uh, and brought them into the fold. But the vision has always been to create, as Tim would say, a positive disruption to business as usual, right? So many times in this industry, you know, it's do things the way we've always done it, re regrettably. And Tim has challenged us all to think outside the box, to come up with new ways of doing things, to come up with new ideas, to take a risk and, and, and try new things. And, you know, I've worked for a lot of companies. Regrettably, my, my former company, I would not ever say was visionary or forward thinking. And, and we as employees weren't necessarily empowered to do really big things. And that's completely not the case with OBG. You know, each of us is empowered to how can we make this company better and to present ideas. So, you know, I maybe earlier in my career, I didn't always understand the value of like a, a company culture. 
but I can tell you today, I live and breathe this culture. And then Casey Sparks, who's my AGM here, and obviously a great friend of mine, as we built our team here in Austin, we have been deliberate about building this team and executive style around culture. You know, our motto is, you know, we, we want to hire very qualified people, but even more important than their resume is whether they're a fit for our culture, right? right. Um, yeah. Because with this incredible company culture and everybody rowing in the same direction, you can just disguise a limit. You can do incredible things. So I don't think I ever would have had that ability in, in my former life uh, as a leader to, to really develop my own culture and, and create this really incredible vibe from scratch. And this company allows me to do it. And I think that's such an important thing too, not only for you all hiring people underneath you, but for the people that are getting hired to get brought into a company that's going to embrace what they bring to it and also elevate maybe their gifts and what, what they do. And so I, I think it's one of those things that it's kind of funny, like I think is we all have friends that maybe go after jobs or something and they're like, oh, I didn't get this thing. And I'm like, you know, sometimes it's not it's not because you're not qualified, but it's like, if you weren't, if they didn't feel like you were a good fit for them, probably they weren't a good fit for you either, you know? And so you have to kind of like go into a place that is going to embrace what you bring to it. And, you know, then you feel comfortable there. They feel comfortable with you. And it totally plays into what you mentioned with that culture. Like you want people that are going to help support uh, what your vision is, but also you want them to bring a different perspective maybe than you have. And so I think it, it's it's great from the top to bottom to kind of develop that and have that openness from the get-go. Yeah, I agree, Paul. I mean, you know, nobody gets into this business that we're in the arena business to make lots of money, right? That's just not, if you, you never <laughs> want to sit down and calculate how much you make per hour, right? No and way. in a lot of cases, especially when you're opening up a new building, employees, we are spending more time with our coworkers than we are with our families or our loved ones or our significant other or our pets, right? So yeah. you got to like the people you work with, right? And you got to like yeah. the people that you're in the trenches with. And and having that culture and valuing that culture is, is so important. So Jeff, you know, you talk about, you know, uh, why people get into this business and it's not being for the money. What what brought you into this business? Because you, you were, you did a lot of stuff in the hotel industry, right? To start off? Yeah, you know, I kind of had a roundabout way to get in this industry and things kind of just worked out for me. But, you know, I, you know, I grew up outside of Pittsburgh, uh, went to college in West Virginia, and a childhood dream of mine was always to live in Miami, Florida. So graduated college, packed my bags and moved to Miami Beach. Uh, and my first foray, my first career was working for Ritz Carlton, the hotel company, um, started initially in guest services and eventually graduated to guest relations roles and, and, and really really, really part of the, the management team for Ritz Carlton for, for South Florida. I was, I was at a point in my career where I was getting a little fed up with South Florida and the rat race in South Florida. And I was looking for something new. Uh, and through a, a lot of coincidences and some friendships, I heard about an arena under construction in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And John Bolton, who is now a mentor of mine, and Casey Sparks, who's now a coworker of mine, uh, took a chance on me and hired me to move to Tulsa. I had no venue experience right? But they were opening up this new building in Tulsa, and they needed somebody to deal with all the suite holders, sponsors, and premium clients. And because of my high-end hospitality and customer experience, they thought I was a great fit. They thought I was outside the box, right? That I brought a new perspective to the arena side of things. So I came into Tulsa initially, set up all the programs and infrastructure for the premium services department, um, and very quickly grew in my role in, in Oklahoma. But I was never 
ever thinking about this industry. And it was this, this leap of faith to move from, trust me, Miami Beach, Florida, Tulsa, Oklahoma right. was a culture shock. This shock. It was a leap of faith to change my life and, and move somewhere I'd never been or spent time, right? And uh, it turned out to be the greatest decision I ever made. And just very quickly in Tulsa, I got ingrained into the arena world, loving what I did. I very quickly transitioned to developing special events in Tulsa. We had owned and operated special events, eventually started learning booking. And that's where I really, I think, got my passion. It was the booking side of the industry, the relationships with the agents, managers, promoters. Uh, And booking really, I think, that role really set me up for what ultimately has happened today. Growing within SMG at the time to, to very quickly being director of booking, assistant general manager, and then general manager of BOK Center. And then ultimately capturing the attention of Irving Azoff, who introduced me to Tim Lewicki, uh, and and and, and, and move, moving me to Oakview Group. So my booking background, I think, really is what set me up for ultimately everything I've, I've done to this point. So Jeff, you said, you know, obviously, you know, you get there, you're in that, you know, that premium sales role, and you say that you spent some time learning booking. So somebody's listening today is like, oh, I would like to do that. So how did you learn booking while on the job? Well, you know, first and foremost, I you know I, I spoke up. I explained kind of what I what I wanted to to know about. I, you know, and I and I I was fortunate to have a mentor in John Bolton who believed in me and believed that I could be something really special for the company. At the time, our assistant general manager, manager was Jerry Goldman, who's now the VP of Live Entertainment at United Center in Chicago. And Jerry, quite frankly, was the very first person who really sat down with me and taught me the ins and outs of booking. And let's be honest, uh, booking concerts is not rocket science. Okay, so it wasn't necessarily sure. learning the the X's and O's of how to book concerts. It was learning the relationships and the key stakeholders and being introduced and meeting the people who make the decisions in this industry. And it's a small group of people. Let's be honest, a small group of people who make the decisions on hundreds of tours. So Jerry and then John Bolton at the time, both were my mentors in booking. And, you know, the first one of the first things Bolton did was he sent me on a booking trip to New York. I had never, never been anywhere by myself to talk about concert booking. And, I, and they threw me in a room with at the time with Dennis Arfa, Adam Kornfeld, and a few of the guys from AGI in New York. And I had to pretty much try to explain to them why Billy Joel needed to play BOK Center at the time. Yeah, I was a nervous wreck, but right. you know, they kind of they threw me to the wolves and just made me do it, right? I mean, you learn by doing. And, that, and, and that's really kind of how it all worked out. Uh, but it really, again, it all comes down to relationships. This whole business comes down to relationships. And COVID probably more than anything taught us, A, this is a really small world, right? B, you can't ever burn bridges, right? Because <laughs> you're going to end up working with somebody again. And, and C, relationships are of paramount importance. That like yeah. probably one of the, best pieces of advice I ever got from John Bolton. And it sounds so simple. He told me, Jeff, just do what you say you're going to do, right? As you talk to agents, promoters, artist management, you know, stay true to your word. This business is built on trust, right? Do what you say you're going to do and everything else will work itself out. So, you know, those words were so important to me and they sound so simple, but in a, in a business built on relationships, trust and in a business is so small you can't burn bridges 
No, I'm a huge, yeah. I'm a huge believer in that because there's so many people who don't follow up, don't follow through. And if it's just right. by saying, Hey, I'll get back with you by Friday. It's, it can be that small. You always get back with somebody by Friday, right? You just follow up. You do what you say you're going to do. It sounds so simple, but it's, by doing that, you can stand, uh, stand out in the pack and standing out in the pack is something that was definitely a priority for, for be okay. Uh, you know, and, and I don't know if that came from you or from uh, before your time there, but Talking about, you know, the, the BOK Center and the priority in, you know, kind of making that venue stand out in a city that I have a, I, I have a lot of love for my experience in Tulsa, but it's a city that doesn't stand out necessarily, but the BOK Center definitely is that shining jewel of Tulsa. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of those, you know, industry success stories when you look back and it was a team effort, but the ability to turn what is arguably the 45th largest market by size and population into what has been a top 10 concert market. Uh, it took a lot of us working together to tell the story about Tulsa and really approach things in a different way. I mean, I can remember sitting in a boardroom when we came up with the hashtag rock the BOK, which has kind of taken on a life of its own. Um, yeah. But really in Tulsa is where, where John Bolton, myself, Casey Sparks, Michael Owens, our whole team, I think really pioneered this concept of backstage hospitality for the artists and promoters to a, a whole different level. I think everybody's doing it today. And I think you have to do it today. And that's but, your yeah. fault, by the way. <laughs> yeah. And I, <laughs> now I wish I could rewind, you know, it's, it's, it's a lot of work, right? Take it back a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, the, but these innovative ideas where we sat in a room thinking of these just crazy gestures to do, to get shows, you know, um, or, or to impress an artist or to make Tulsa memorable. Because we, you know, we realize, and this is the case everywhere, but an artist like Ariana Grande, she's going to fly into Tulsa or, or arrive on a tour bus. She's going to walk into that building, see the backstage, perform her show and leave. And, and, and that six hours is going to be her view of Tulsa. She's not going to see the city. You know, it doesn't matter right. what's outside that building necessarily at that point. So what sort of experience can we provide for her? backstage you know and i think that was the first time like i mean at the time it was a, a crazy idea but we knew she loved puppies and we brought in 20 rescue dogs backstage like who were going crazy uh ariana adopted strauss one of her puppies on on site and took him on tour with her <laughs> and then she paid for the adoption fees for 150 other dogs that night because she was so moved by the gesture but it was this that's awesome it was it was just creating this connection with the artist it goes beyond yeah you can give them a fancy gift and we all do that you can spend too much money on a gift that's going to get tossed or 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 re-gifted or thrown in a, a storage bin somewhere right or you can create this really memorable experience so we we knew Tulsa had to be all about that experience so the backstage experience now I think in Tulsa is if I'm being selfish the best in the country from backstage catering to the dressing rooms to to our, our incredible you know, Zoolander themed gym we created there to now they're building a recording studio backstage, you know? Wow. So we never, we never rested on our laurels there. We, we always wanted to kind of set the bar because we knew, I mean, let's be honest, we were Tulsa. Yes, Tulsa now is a wonderful concert market, but we're still just Tulsa. We were never going to be a must play. So what could we do to, to put Tulsa in the conversation for every single concert tour, right? And, and, you know, now, obviously, what we developed in Tulsa now, we're trying to uh, trying to, to do in Austin, right? We have the luxury of Austin being a major metropolitan area, you know, the 10th largest city in the country, a majorly underserved music uh, market, a booming city, and a city, quite frankly, that tours want to play because Austin has that cool factor. 
But yeah. how do we ensure that the artist comes here and has this really memorable experience that's authentically Austin, right? It makes them want to come back. Because we know the grand opening is going to be great. You know, we know we know the bands are going to come for the grand opening in our honeymoon period, but we want them to keep coming back. Yeah, I'm one of the things that I remember from, you know, having EAMC in Tulsa when we had it there, and we toured the venue. But some of those just crazy things back of house, which you you hit on, but like the big murals that were kind of there that I think makes it so easy for an artist to like take a selfie and share it on their Instagram, and that that may it's, it's kind of funny. I think some buildings, this is a bit of a generalization, but maybe some like older industry people might be like, why would we spend the money to put in a mural back there? It's just back of house, you know, you're rolling road boxes, but I think you all saw that there is a big uh, importance of having that kind of recognition back of house. And, you know, something as simple as a big artist taking a selfie and posting it like that's getting seen by millions of people and it's giving you know it's helping you with future tours it's also clearly something that they want to capture but i know also that you all had like a speakeasy right that was behind a uh porta john door if i remember correctly <laughs> yeah it's sure incredible this i mean like that's legendary. stuff that like it's beyond <laughs> just like you know, just having nice catering or something, but it's something like, how do we really, yeah, you know, I'm sure some people are like, what is this? But it's almost like, you know, any, any excitement or anything that's different is going to catch people's attention and it's going to make it stand out from the other 30 venues that they're visiting. You know, if they're going and getting good food and they're getting it at 20 or 30 other venues on that tour, they're going to remember the one that has the speakeasy that has the Porta John door. Cause they're like, Whoa, that was like really different, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it, it took a lot of work, you know, but the, the first thing we did and people thought we were out of our minds, but we actually posted the position and did a nationwide search. We hired a good vibes manager. And I remember when we posted the position, good vibes manager, we got a lot of kickback from our, our corporate office at the time who thought we were being silly or, or unprofessional, but our philosophy was we want good vibes for the guests coming in the front door and the guests coming in the back door, right? The, the touring folks, the artists, the backstage people, and quite honestly for our employees. So the good vibes role was developed to provide good vibes to fans, employees, and back of house. And now that's morphed into a whole department in Tulsa. You know, it's something that Casey and I, when we sat in our office coming up with the name good vibes, like we, we were coming, trying to come up with the most fun sounding job title, right. To get the right candidates. Right. I think here in Austin, you know, we're going to, we're going to take that concept and evolve it. Of course, we'll be the good moods manager here. Um, there's a <laughs> moody center, but, but we have a whole uh, plan here. Did. right? I see what you did. <laughs> you got to take Tulsa and one up of now. Right. So, but it's, uh, you know, we have a whole plan here, obviously, how do we curate an experience? And, you know, again, it all goes back to being authentic too. Right. You can't, I mean, a lot of buildings, I think, try to do these things and it just comes across as staged or or not genuine, right? Um, how, how do you do something cool backstage and really, you know, pay homage to your community and and, 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 and make it feel real? And that's kind of the, the million dollar question you got to come up with in each venue. So, Jeff, you know, one of the things, re recurring themes of this podcast is how your identity can get so tied up, for better or worse, in your job. And so, you know, you were, you were Mr. Tulsa be okay for so long. Tell me about, you know, leaving Tulsa behind what that was like for you. It was probably the most difficult decision I've ever made in my life because, you know, we had developed such a incredible reputation and team there. 
that to this day are still family. You know, it's it's my family there. You know, and it it, it was tough, but you know, at that point, BOK was coming off of our most successful year in venue history. The building was in really good shape uh, and and in a really great place. And I felt like I was ready for that next challenge. Uh, and it all started when Irving Azoff was in town and Irving's become not, not only a good friend, but a mentor now, but he was in town with his band Fleetwood Mac and they had decided to rehearse and launch the Fleetwood Mac tour in Tulsa. And, and Irving, uh, from that point on, from, from Irving spending time in the building, visiting the speakeasy that Paul was talking about, seeing our backstage hospitality, Irving was hooked that he was going to hire me and that Tim and him were going to hire me come hell or high water that I was going to come to OBG. And to their point, they, they never let up. Um, the conversations probably went on for a couple of years. So I really took them seriously, but you know, Tim, Tim and I met at a, at a restaurant bar in, in LA for the kind of where he, where he gave me his final push. And, you know, I, I was a little intimidating at the time he was trying to get me to come run the arena Alliance which was OVG's membership of 29 MBA and NHL facilities. And I was going to have to move myself and my family from Tulsa, Oklahoma, where I had a really comfortable life to uh, the West side of LA and ultimately to, to, to Brentwood in LA. And that was a huge decision. And it was yeah, that's a unbelievably big intimidating. Yeah. And Tim, I remember what Tim said to me, he goes, Jeff, you know, it, it's okay to be scared. If you're not a little bit scared about this opportunity, then something, something the hell's wrong with you. If you're not scared, because you should be a little scared. But that's good, right? Uh, it's good to have a little bit of uh, fear there, but you got to take a leap of faith. And, and, and taking that leap of faith and leaving all my close friends and everything I developed in Tulsa, that was a tough decision, but ultimately has set me up now for this kind of next chapter of my career. So I moved out to LA. We got a house in Brentwood, worked in our Westwood office at the time, uh, overseeing the Arena Alliance. And being there, being there in that office uh, with Tim Lewicki every day and Francesca, who's the president of our company and upstairs from Irving and to be able to, to get those relationships. It really set me up to write my ticket for that next chapter of my life. And, and that's what really caused, caused them to entrust me to oversee this entire Austin project from start to finish. So it, things work in, in, in weird ways, but yeah. sometimes you have to take a leap of faith, right? It's a, uh, in our industry, a lot of times you got to move on to move up. You know, that's what we tell the, the younger kids. So talk to us a little bit about that position that you had with, the, uh, you know, as the, the SVP with the you know, Real Arena Alliance, Stadium Alliance. What was what are you kind of doing on a day-to-day basis there? Well, the Arena Alliance is a, a really incredible uh, group of arenas, 29 NBA and NHL facilities, arguably the top 29 major metro arenas in the country that are all part of a membership. They all buy into this annual membership. And in turn, Oakview Group, our goal is to provide a return on investment. And we do that primarily in two ways. First, we work on their behalf to advocate for and, and influence content. Um, so obviously, right at the right at home, we work with Irving Azoff and all of his tours for Azoff Music. But we also work with obviously Live Nation AG and all our promoter partners to drive content to all these venues. And on the flip side, we also have a global partnerships division that sells, right? So we take the assets of all 29 of these arenas, we package them together and we sell to to national sponsors. You know, for a national sponsor at the time like Walmart, it would be really unrealistic for them to do one-offs and buy assets at a bunch of different arenas. It would be a really difficult process to to, to, to buy multiple arenas. But what we did is we aggregated those assets from all 29 arenas together and sold to Walmart. And in turn generated, in most cases, millions of dollars for these arenas. 
So basically, the alliance is a, a membership group that provides a return on investment to these members. Uh, in my role, I really manage the relationships between all the venues, uh, especially with the general managers at each venue. I travel to every single arena, get to know those venues well. Uh, I was there if they needed anything. Dur during COVID, I helped spearhead a lot of our, our corporate OBG uh, COVID initiatives. So we get all, all these buildings on, on the phone to talk through challenges together. As we learned, talking and, and sharing information was key during COVID. I work with our lobbyists to, to lobby on behalf of the Arena Alliance uh, for, for national COVID relief for our venues and for, for things like that. It was a really uh, wonderful job. Uh, and the fact that I got to meet what I think are the best venues and venue managers in the country. I got to see the 29 top venues in the country and I learned so much. But ultimately, you know, I miss being on the ground. I miss being at an arena. There's something to be said for being part of a team on the ground in an arena. And this Austin project gave me the chance to, to get back into it. Yeah, so what was that move like from, from you know, LA back to Austin? It was, it was incredible. Um, I'll tell you, Austin is, Austin's gotta be one of the greatest cities on earth. And I've moved around a lot in my career. And I think whether or not I'm in this specific role, I think I'm gonna be based in Austin or I hope to be based in Austin for the rest of my career. Talk about a one of a kind spot, uh, kind of the best of, all worlds. You have big city amenities and this cosmopolitan flair, but you also have this Texas hospitality and this really quirky, eccentric Austin vibe. It kind of fit me perfectly. Uh, the analogy I use is if Tulsa and LA had a baby, it would be Austin. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's great. It's got kind of the best of all worlds. The weather, except for a couple months in June, is perfect. And I have this quality of life that I don't think I could have anywhere else. Um, it's incredible. And it's really exciting to be in a city that feels like it's on the brink of greatness, right? I think through our, our lifetimes, there's always been that next it city. You know, those cities that are, are emerging or booming. And I think Austin is that it city right now. It's, you know, the fastest growing area in the country. Uh, over 200 people move here every day, you know, with Tesla moving here, Oracle moving here, and all these big tech companies here. It's, it's an exciting place. And it's kind of cool to be part of that energy. It's such a ripe music market too, which you kind of hit on, you know, obviously kind of needing a updated arena, but there's so many clubs there. There's so, you know, there's so much music history. It's kind of, and like with South by Southwest being there, it's, it's just, it's so much ingrained in the culture. It's not like you have to teach the people of Austin how to enjoy live music like they're clamoring for yeah, it true. and they they want it you know you just have to give them the venue to experience it so I'm sure that's a you know a, a kind of a cool thing and that you know you're coming into a market that people they love music it's it's already very much such a part of the culture part of the history part of everything you're you're absolutely right it's in the DNA here much like a Nashville or a Memphis or what we would claim Tulsa being a great music market. It, it's, it's totally in the DNA here. People love live music and they're willing to make an investment here in it. We've seen too. It's, it was miraculous how quickly all of our premium seating and our suites and loge boxes and club seats sold out for this arena. The investment in live music here, people were buying club seat licenses here, not tied to any sports at all. That's, that's really a unique model. Okay. Most, yeah. most major market arenas you go in and it's people buying tickets that have access to maybe basketball and the right to buy concerts, right. 
or right. it may be your season hockey ticket tied with a first right of refusal to, to purchase tickets. Well, here people were purely buying the right to purchase music with our club seats. That is a brand new philosophy and quite, quite frankly, one that OVG plans to, to use in other markets as we, as we build around the world. So you mentioned, uh, you know, as you moved around the world, your family moving along with you, you mentioned family a couple of times. Tell, tell us about a little bit of your, your family life. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's wacky right now. Uh, it's, I, I wish I could see them a little bit more as we worked to open this building, but you know, Austin has been such an incredible step for me. So my partner and I have a wonderful four-year-old daughter, Mila, who I think is loving everything about Austin. Um, <laughs> she just she just got her brown belt in Taekwondo yesterday uh, at, at four years old uh, and is getting ready to start her Spanish immersion program in school. But, you know, Austin truly, it, it feels like family here. You know, I don't think I could have scripted something better to have work-life balance and to be so truly happy and content. I, I almost feel guilty saying that, how happy I, I mean, I think I'm just waiting for something, you know, to go wrong because everything seems so wonderful right now, you know? So I feel really blessed and really fortunate. The other kind of cool thing is, you know, I, I keep mentioning you know, our partners in this project, Live Nation C3. Well, C3 obviously is based here. And C3 is kind of what I like to refer to as Live Nation Light. You know, it's part of Live Nation, but there's this, family element to C3. So getting to know, obviously, Charles Atal, who's one of the co-founders of C3, and Amy Corbin, who's based here, our, our C3 partners here are like family too. So, you know, they've kind of, the, the, the C3 folks here in town have embraced all of our Moody Center staff members as family too. And my family by by default is part of that. So it's, it's the uh, activities and things to do with families here. It, it, it's amazing. I just, I just can't say enough, Dave. Like this place is is perfect. Uh, they're printing T-shirts here that they sell around around here, saying "Please don't move to Austin," because you know, so many people are. And now I get it. It's 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 just it's just unbelievable quality of life. As a fan coming for South by and ACL, you never see that. You know, or even with EMC a few years ago, you come, you stay downtown, you party. It's awesome, right? It's it's amazing. Yeah. But you don't get to see outside of the downtown bubble. This is a incredible city with amazing lakes to, to, to have fun on in these, these microbreweries and hundreds of distilleries and wineries uh, and these great little suburban towns with their own charm. It's, it really is a tremendous place. Like I, I would encourage anyone listening, like, you know, come down here, build a weekend around it, bring your families, come see a show, of course, but there's so much to do in Austin. It is, it is such a incredible spot to visit. And you could fill a whole week, literally a whole week here with stuff to do. It kind of does almost, I mean, not quite on the same scale, but there is an interesting thing hearing you talk about it. Remind me of some of the kind of fun quirks of Tulsa. So I can see how you like both markets in that regard. Like I remember going to Tulsa and I cannot remember the name of it. I'm brain farting right now. And you'll know about that big bike race. Uh, yeah. What is Tulsa it? Tough. Uh, yeah. Tulsa tough, which is such a wild experience. And I remember I met up with some staff at BOK and went to that and was like, what is this? And it's so, it's just like one of those quirky things that the local people love. It's, it's something that's so unique to that market. And I'm sure Austin is just filled with that. I know it is because I've got yeah. family down there. I've come down a few times and it's, it's just, there's so many fun 
things that I think people that live there can be proud of that. Like, this is our thing. This is our, you know, weird quirkiness, you know? I tell, I tell people in, in Tulsa that Austin is just like a great big Tulsa, right? There's Tulsa has so much cool stuff from live music to breweries to, to awesome nature. There's just more of all that in Austin, right? It's a bigger city. In fact, you know, it's, it's, it's helped me convince when you look at our leadership team here at Moody Center, we actually have seven uh, executives who all came from Tulsa at some point. Right. Wow. So yeah. as from Casey, my AGM to Michael, our VP of programming to Trude, to Timbo, to Seth, we have brought a lot of our staff who helped us open up the OK Center over 15 years ago. Uh, here to Austin to help us open up this building. And uh, a lot of people say the same thing, that Austin Austin's like a great big Tulsa. And I, I love that comparison because I, I love Tulsa. Tulsa special to me. Austin is kind of like this, my next chapter. It makes a lot of sense. Well, the next chapter is one we can't wait to see as things get underway at the uh, the Moody Center. Uh, look forward to, uh, to visiting the venue here in the not too distant future. Jeff, before we let you go, I want to hit you with our fast five. It's five quick questions. Just looking for your, your instant response. First up, what was your very first concert? My very first concert, I was nine years old, and it was Michael Jackson at the Pittsburgh Civic Arena, wow. Bad Tour. Man. How about your favorite concert? Ooh. You know, it's tough when you work in the industry. Right. I, you know, my favorite band probably to see, though, is probably Coldplay. I think when you go to Coldplay, it's not only is it a concert, but almost like a religious experience. It's like, like a, a revival, right? You leave feeling religious, incredible, leaving that show. How about your favorite vacation getaway? You get a chance to go away for a week uh, with the family. Where you, where you heading? I would, I would say anywhere with the beach. I'm definitely a beach guy. But, you know, every, uh, every summer we make it to Europe at some point. So uh, this summer we're actually going uh, to the Italian Riviera, the Italian coast this summer, hopefully in July after nice. we get, get this building open. Nice. What's your what's your favorite guilty pleasure food? Um, probably alcohol. Actually, I mean, let's just be honest. I mean, it's, <laughs> I you're the uh, first person to answer that. You know, I mean, it's hey, in this industry, you got to drink. Unfortunately, it's uh, this job drives you to drinking. You know, so like I, I love you know like whiskeys, bourbons, old fashions. You know, those probably or margaritas. I mean, you know, the, the, those are kind of my guilty pleasure when I'm not just drinking my Tito's and soda. Uh, last question for you. Um, what is the theme song to your TV show? There's a, a TV show where cameras follow uh, you around all the time. What is the song that plays over the opening credits? You know, that, that, that is a, a tough one. If you're going to ask my staff here, though, at the office, kind of what what I play the most. It's cool in the gang celebration. I play that song here, like I think at every staff meeting or here. But, um, you know, honestly, like this is kind of nostalgic. Um, John Denver's Take Me Home Country Roads. You know, I grew up in West Virginia. Um, I've moved all over the world, but my heart is still, believe it or not, still back in those mountains. And uh, to this day, every time I hear that song, my eyes water. And, uh, (laughs) uh, you know, and uh, the first song my daughter learned was was Country Roads. So that's kind of, that song is super special to me. I don't know if it's my theme song, but that's probably the the most special song uh, to me. That's awesome. Well, Jeff, uh, hey, if people want to look up, uh, you know, Moody Center, uh, or, or reach out to you. What's the, what are the, uh, give us a couple of plugs here. No, across the board on all social media, we're at moodycenteratx.com or www.moodycenteratx.com. Some incredible social media. Definitely check it out. Or uh, for sure, add me on Instagram or Twitter at my name at Jeff Nickler. So again, I, I want to reach out to everyone and especially all my EMC friends over the years. Come see us in Austin. Come see this building. You're going to love this building. 
It's unlike anywhere else, and it's so authentic to Austin. Come be our guest. Please reach out to us. Give us a few weeks to open up this building, but then come down and see us. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need any more people Exactly. Hey, Jeff, I know you're a very busy man, and uh, uh, good luck with the, the grand opening there. We really appreciate your time today. Thanks, you guys. Thanks for having me, and have a great week. Come, come and see us. And thanks to everybody for listening to this episode of Adventures in Venue Land. Remember, you can subscribe and find more episodes wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. We'd love your five-star reviews so you can help others find us. Until the next adventure, I'm Dave Rettelberger. And I'm Paul Huber. Thanks for listening, everyone. Adventures in Venue Land is a side project of the Event and Arena Marketing Conference a nonprofit organization bringing together people in the field of live entertainment to discuss marketing, publicity, and sales trends. Find out more at eventarenamarketing.com. Audio editing and mixing by Camille Faulkner. Design and digital advertising by Megan Ebeck. Copywriting and publicity by Samantha Marker. Guest booking and brand strategies by Paul Hooper. Guest research by Dave Rettelberger. Marketing Strategies by Paul Hooper, Megan Ebeck, and Samantha Marker. Thanks for joining us. Until the next adventure.